Today, Pastor Ray Bentley brings us a glimpse of the purpose of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not suffer as a victim of circumstances. He said, for this purpose, I have come. He took on suffering, he took on death, and he defeated them. Jesus says, I have the keys of eternal life, the keys of death. I hold all the keys. Spread the news. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. It's easy to miss the full significance of the Lord's sacrifice at Calvary. Yes, He paid for our sins. Yes, He died so we wouldn't have to. But in effect, He won a great spiritual victory against the powers of sin and death. And today, Pastor Ray helps us realize the full scope of what was accomplished by our Lord. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 27. For those who are new, we're walking through the last couple of chapters of Matthew and now on the way to the cross and how they treated him. So beginning in verse 27 of Matthew 27, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and they gathered the whole garrison around him and they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And then, these are the soldiers now, the Roman soldiers doing the execution. They bowed the knee before him and they mocked him saying, hail king of the Jews. And then they spat on him And they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Now, the official indictment against Jesus was that he claimed to be, listen, king of the Jews. Now, why that is so big and why that is so important is that it was prophesied. God started with Abraham. And then his son Isaac and Isaac to Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. He has 12 sons. They become 12 tribes, the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. And through them came the Messiah. So as we look at this, they first disrobed Jesus. And then they put on him a soldier's robe. And they're getting ready to mock him. Now, I want you to imagine, we know who Jesus is. Jesus is the anointed one. He's the prince of peace. And they, these soldiers, they did not know who he was. They did not know what they were doing. For them, even when Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they are doing. Boy, true words were never spoken. They took an old used Roman uniform and they threw that around the arms of Jesus. They're doing this to humiliate Jesus and to mock him. And they're wondering, you know, oh, he's called the king of the Jews. This is their king. A king must wear a crown. So they grabbed what what is a local bush. The thorn bushes of this region have long, sharp, hard 
thorns. And they took that and they pounded it into his head to make a public, you know, mocking of this Jew, prophet, king, as they hail him, hail king of the Jews. And then in verse 30, we read that kings hold scepters. Now, usually kings hold beautiful, ornate scepters that symbolize their power. But in mockery, they give him a thin, weak reed. Now, Jesus has already been beaten earlier, so his face is marred, swollen, bruised, his eyes maybe even swollen shut. I want you to look at this scripture. This describes what Jesus endured for you and me. Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah saw prophetically into the future the Messiah. So he really was seeing Jesus listen to the accuracy. Just as many were astonished at you. He's talking of the Messiah. So his face or visage was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Isaiah says, as I'm seeing in the spirit, the vision of this servant, Messiah, that is going to give his life, his face, what happened to his face, to his visage? He, 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 I can't even see the humanness of the face. He is so beaten. He said it was shocking and astonishing, and he wanted to turn away from it. And then they take the reed out of his hand and they started beating him over the head and saying, hail king of the Jews. Not only humiliating Jesus, but publicly because the Antonio Fortress is right next to the temple on the temple mount and all of Solomon's porch. So the Roman soldiers are not only humiliating Jesus, king of the Jews, they are humiliating the Jewish nation and the Jewish people forever believing in these prophecies to begin with. And the Bible tells us Jesus took all of this humiliation and all of this pain without speaking, without fighting back. But I want you to know this, the fact that Jesus took everything that was thrown at him and upon him is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of unbelievable strength. Unbelie I mean, no man could have acted or reacted as Jesus did willingly. He, he didn't have to do this. He gave himself for you and me. So again, look with me in verses 31 and 32. Behold your king on the cross. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him. So look, his back had already been open with many wounds with the cat of nine tails. Then later they put a robe on him. You know what happens when you have open wounds and then you put an old nasty robe on for a while and then they beat him some more and then they take the robe and rip it off. You ever have a scab where you, the wound is not healed and then the scab gets ripped off? You're like, oh, you know, we, it's shockingly painful. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Now, as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. So let's just say this about the cross. Crucifixion is the most painful, shameful way a human being can die. 
And then Jesus was led outside of the city to the place of crucifixion. But it was required as they now had played their little game with him and mocked him and humiliated him in the crown of thorns and beating him with their reed and spitting upon him. Now it's, we got to make our way outside of the city on the northern side, we believe. And it was required that the prisoner carry his own cross or at least the cross beam. So they would have the post in the ground ready but they made the prisoners carry what was called the cross beam. And that cross beam would weigh anywhere from 75 to 125 pounds. Now, it doesn't explain it, but by putting the story together, it appears that Jesus was unable at some point. At first, they put that whatever, however heavy it was, on his shoulders, and he started walking toward the place of execution, but along the way, he was not able to continue to carry it. And so he was slowing down the group because there were going to be three men executed at one time at the place of execution. So he was slowing them down. They were on a schedule and they had to get, because they were watching over the Jewish people, a Passover was coming. So this is gonna delay things. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, we've received encouraging comments from listeners around the country and also near to home. We have been listening to Pastor Ray for 25 years. He was always excited to preach about Jesus and couldn't wait to see him face to face. Now he is happy with the Lord with no more pain or sadness. Thank you for leading our family with your easy to understand sermons every week. May the Lord give comfort and strength to the Bentley family. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Why was Jesus not able to carry that cross all the way? Well, number one, we know he had been awake all night long. He'd been scourged. He was abused in all these various ways by the soldiers. He was exhausted. But Passover was coming and they could not delay. So they found a man of Cyrene named Simon. So he's actually named in the Bible and they compelled him to carry Jesus' cross. Now, who is Simon? He was a visitor to Jerusalem. He was Jewish, and he had come from very far away to celebrate Passover. He was what we would say a faithful African Jew who had traveled probably around 800 miles to be in the temple area, so that he could have a Passover lamb and celebrate Passover. And he just happens to be there. So he's a foreigner. He is a stranger. Simon probably knew little, if anything, about Jesus having come from so far away. But he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. And with Rome, you didn't have a choice. Hey, you, that guy that has stumbled and his crossbeam, pick it up and start carrying it to the place. And all of a sudden, this guy, Simon, who's a foreigner and a stranger, gets chosen, and he's literally now in the story 
carrying for Jesus, as Jesus probably staggers along next to him, the cross or the cross section of the cross. Mark's gospel, chapter 15, verse 21, it says, then they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian from North Africa, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear the cross of Jesus. So you're getting all the facts in the story and you know they're naming, yes, Pilate and they've got the religious priests and so forth and all these names. But now they go, well, there was a foreigner, Simon of Cyrene, but then Mark adds, he's the father of Alexander and Rufus. That is in Mark chapter 15, verse 21. If you're taking notes, you wanna add one more scripture to it, which really completes the story and the testimony. Romans chapter 16, verse 13, at the end of Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul says, hey, by the way, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. We believe, in other words, that Simon, who carried Jesus' cross, became a believer, and his two sons, one of whom is named Rufus, not only became believers, but they became leaders within the early church. How amazing is that? So I want to talk to all of you that are from other lands, from other places. So if you feel like that's somehow your burden, your identity, you can relate to Simon, I want you to know this, God has his eye on you. God wants to include you into the story. One of the most famous things Jesus ever said was, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow after me. Now that's a great truth. A great principle, discipleship, self-denial. But we, there was one man who literally carried the cross of Jesus Christ. His name was Simon. And I believe that Simon found out who Jesus was and he became a believer. And then he told his family and his sons and they become leaders within the early church. So I wanna say to you that feel outcast in any way, Simon came to Jerusalem to sacrifice his Passover lamb, but instead he met the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and who was sacrificed literally for him in his place. Well, let's go to the next couple of verses, 33 and 34. Here, Golgotha, that's where the place is called. That's the name that it is given. And Golgotha, you've probably heard that. Songs have been written about it and it's a very holy amazing place. In Latin, it's the word Calvary. So if you know our history, Maranatha Chapel, my roots go to a church and a group of churches called Calvary Chapel. Well, where does, what does Calvary mean? Or where did that come from? It's the Latin name for Golgotha. Golgotha is Calvary. And the word itself means the place of the skull. There is a place on the north part of, of the city where you go outside the gates and to the furthest part of the north in Mount, ancient Mount Moriah where there was a, a road, which is partly what they wanted for these prisoners. They, they took them on a march where they were dragging their crossbeam and they're going literally where there are people, merchants, and they're trying to sell things and people are like, oh, you know, shocked and horrified and they literally marched them in front of people kind of like an outdoor mall on the way to the place of execution. 
And there was a very designed reason for that. Rome was making a heavy statement. You see these three guys? You see what's happening to them? You mess with us. You mess with the Roman Empire. And this could be you. So it was literally, and even to this day, there's a place that we believe may have been the place where Jesus and these other two were crucified. And there's a hill that is, is quarried some, and it goes all the way back to the days of Jeremiah. And it looks like a skull, literally. You can look it up online. Look up Golgotha and that place. Uh, but that's what it looked like. And that's where the road and everybody coming in and out of Jerusalem would pass by and see this incredible thing. So here we read in uh, Hebrews chapter 13 verses 12 and 13. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. In other words, if you want to be popular, then Jesus is not for you. If your goal is to have the most people like you and think well of you and everything else, if that's your goal, you're gonna miss out on what salvation is really all about. The reality is there's a spirit in the world. There's a rebellion in that spirit. There's a demonic spirit and the devil behind all of that that is against Jesus, against the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So when you know the truth and you're saved and born again and filled with the spirit, you have to be willing to not go for the popularity of men or, or have people like you, but you live for an audience of one. Lord, I wanna make you happy. I wanna live for your glory and for your kingdom and in intimacy with you so that there is a real relationship that is unfolding and developing. And so therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate. Did you know it was prophesied the Messiah would be sacrificed outside the gate of the city? And then the exhortation of the writer of Hebrews is, therefore, brothers and sisters, let's go forth to Jesus. Even if we put up with some rejection from the world, it's okay. Let us share in bearing his reproach. Jesus said, they hated me, they will hate you also. So as we read these verses 33 and 34, it says that they came to the place called Golgotha, that is the place of the skull. And verse 34, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink, but when he had tasted it, he would not drink. It was customary for these people that were being crucified to give them this bitter, sour wine, but it was really a kind of narcotic to help numb the pain. It was just a little bit of help on their way to executing those prisoners. And how interesting in such an excruciating, I mean, by the way, the word excruciating comes out of the whole word crucifixion. How excruciating that Jesus would be, you know, yes, I could have a little something to take a portion of the edge off of this torment but when he tasted what it was, that it could blunt to any degree what he was facing, experiencing, suffering, he said, uh-uh. You want to get back to the strength? 
Jesus literally, when he went to this death, which is the worst kind of death, the most humiliating, the most painful, he experienced the height, depth, width, and breadth of suffering, of loneliness, of betrayal, of pain. So I want to say this, nobody on planet earth, no matter where you are, what you've been through, what you're going through even right now, nobody, no human being, not only the 7 billion on the planet now, but going all the way back to the very first man, Adam and Eve, nobody can point their finger and say, you don't know what it's like, fill in the blank. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, the same one who went through this, who rose from the dead on the third day, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, looking down right now, nobody can point the finger and say, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't understand what it's like. Uh-uh, oh yes. Not only wherever you've been, whatever you've suffered, whatever you've gone through, far deeper, he took it all and he didn't even blunt any of it. So let's look at the last couple of verses and we'll close. And I want to just say Jesus is the willing sacrificial lamb for our sins. It didn't happen to him. He volunteered for this and he left heaven to come fulfill it so that you and I could be spared, forgiven, healed, saved, and know his father. So verse 35, then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there and they put up over his head the accusation. They would always write the crime. Why is this guy being executed? So we all are warned not to do what he did. This was the accusation that this is why he died. Here's the indictment written against him. This is Jesus, Yeshua, the Hebrew name, the King of the Jews. It is important to remember Jesus did not suffer as a victim of circumstances. He was in charge. He was in control. He said, for this purpose, I have come. He took on suffering. He took on death and he defeated them. He took on the devil and he overcame him. He rose from the dead. And now Jesus says, I have all the keys. I have the keys of eternal life. I have the keys of death. I have the keys of hell itself. I hold all the keys. And I want you to look at this scripture in closing, John chapter 10, verse 17. Jesus said, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. Pastor Ray Bentley with insight on Jesus' power and willingness to lay down his life and defeat the power of death forever. Good insight today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Jesus, King of the Jews. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. 
When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his new book called The Final Witness, an eye-opening prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full five-book series called The Elijah Chronicles. You can, too. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.